Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a dismal psalm as we pick up in Psalm chapter 88, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Oh, Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry, for my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near to the grave. I'm counted with them that go down to the pit. I'm as a man that has no strength. Free among the dead like the slain that lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and they are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness and in the deeps. Your wrath lies hard upon me, and you have afflicted me with all the waves. You have put away my acquaintance far from me. You have made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. My eye mourns by reason of the affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto you. Will you show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I am afflicted. I'm ready to die. From my youth up, and while I suffer your terrors, I'm distracted. Your fierce wrath goes over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They encircled me all about together. Lover and friend, have you put far from me and my acquaintance into darkness? Ooh, not even a glimmer of hope. Most of the Psalms that start out like this at the last, it says, but I know, Lord, that you will deliver your servant, you know, and, and those that call upon thee and all. And usually the last verse, even in some of these dismal Psalms, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel, but not here. This thing starts in the dark and ends in the dark. It's just he's down and he's not going to come out of it during this Psalm. It's just one of complete, it, it's a total downer. So you might just inscribe that one, the total downer. (laughs) But you come out into the next psalm and you're singing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. Now, in verse 3, actually the, the psalm begins with the psalmist declaring, I will sing praises to the Lord, sing of his mercies. My mouth will make known his faithfulness. Now, God responds to that. And verse 3 is God's response. And God's response goes actually clear on down to verse 37. So God is speaking now. It's a prophecy as the psalmist now is speaking forth for God. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant. What did he swear to David? 
Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders. And now this, the psalmist comes back. Selah ends God's voice there. God will begin speaking again down a little ways further. So now the psalmist takes it up again. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For who in heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto Jehovah? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, or reverenced, actually, in the assembly of the saints, and to be had in reverence of all of them that are about him. I think that we can learn quite a bit from the Jewish people concerning the reverence of God. I think that there is a tendency sometimes within the church circles of really not having the proper reverential attitude towards God. Sometimes we begin to get a little flippant about God. And we talk about the man upstairs and we begin to speak of, of God in irreverent kind of terms even. And I think that we need to be careful about this. We need to become aware and conscious of the greatness of God, the vastness of God, and to be always really just sort of in, in awe before him. There are some people that just by their very position command respect. We have living in a society that seems to try to break down this respect for authority. And it is a common thing among our society now of not really showing proper respect for authority. But that is a whole social breakdown. Not showing respect to police officers. Not showing respect to those that are in authority. It just shows a part of the whole social breakdown that is taking place. But it is tragic because sometimes people also carry that disrespectful attitude over to God. And we should always actually hold God in the very highest of respect and reverence. Now, the Jews had such reverence for God that when the scribes would copy the scriptures, every time they came to the name Elohim, God, in their text, they would take their pen and they would wash it and then they would dip it in fresh ink to write the letters for God. If they came to the Adonai, the Lord, then they would take and get a fresh pen to write Adonai in the text. If they came to the consonants that stood for that 
holy name of God, the YHVH. They would go in and take a bath, change and put on fresh clothes, and get a total fresh pen and dip it in ink and write the consonants. But they wouldn't put in the vowels because they felt that the name of God was so holy that they shouldn't even pronounce it in their minds and it should never be uttered from the lips of a person. They wouldn't dare even utter the name. Now that, I think, is carrying it perhaps further than God intended and yet it does show a degree of reverence towards God that I think that somewhere in the middle of the pendulum will find the truth. They may be a little extreme on the one end of legalism, but I think that we tend towards an extreme on the other end and that in the middle here, we need ourselves to come more to the middle of a greater reverence and respect for God, that we don't just speak lightly of God, but we hold him in highest esteem and respect. God is greatly to be reverenced in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all of them that are about him. O Jehovah God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee or to thy faithfulness round about thee, for you rule the raging of the sea. When the waves arise, you still them. You have broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain. You have scattered your enemies with your strong arm. The heavens are yours and the earth also is yours. As for the world and the fullness thereof, you have founded them. The north, the south, you've created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. You have a mighty arm, strong as your hand, and high as your right hand. Justice and judgment are your habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. And in thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted for you are the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our king. Now God responds to this. The psalmist declares of the greatness of God, declaring why he should be reverenced because of the fact that he rules over the earth, over the heavens, created the earth, then you spake in vision to the Holy One and said, I have laid up help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one that is chosen out of the people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established. My arm shall also strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him that is, will not collect tribute. He will not be paying tribute to the enemies. He will not be defeated and have to pay tribute to the enemies. Nor the son of wickedness afflict him. And I will beat down his foes 
before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted, or his, the horn is a symbol of strength. And so the name of the Lord will be his strength. I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. This, no doubt, is as a double fulfillment, not only in David, but also in that seed that should come from David that will rule as King of kings and Lord of lords, even a prophecy of Jesus Christ. My mercy will I keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David, his seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. Which, of course, goes on to the prophecy of Christ who will sit upon the throne of David to order it and to establish it in righteousness and in judgment from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So God has sworn that Christ will sit upon the throne of David forever and ever. It shall be established forever as the moon and as the faithful witness in heaven. And the sea law brings us to the end of God's response to the psalmist. Now the psalmist declares, but you have cast off and abhorred. You have been angry with your anointed. You have made void the covenant of your servant. You have profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. You have broken down all of his hedges. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. All that pass by the way spoil him. He's a reproach to his neighbors. Thou hast set up the right hand of his adversaries. Thou hast made all of his enemies to rejoice. Thou hast also turned the edge of his sword and hast made him to... Not, has not made him to stand in the battle. You have made his glory to cease and cast his throne down to the ground. The days of his youth have you shortened and you've covered him with shame. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Shall thy wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that lives and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses which you swore to David in thy truth? Remember, Lord, the reproach of your servants, how I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people. Wherewith your enemies have reproached, O Lord, wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed. And then the close of the third book of the Psalms Blessed be Jehovah forevermore. Amen and amen. I mentioned before that each of the books of the Psalms closes with a benediction, with the amen and amen 
And that brings us to the end of the third book. And Psalm 90 begins the fourth book of the Psalms. Psalm 90 is a psalm of Moses. Now, Moses was also a writer, and he wrote psalms and songs. And this is one of the psalms of Moses. Lord, or Jehovah, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, declaring the eternal nature of God before the world ever existed. From everlasting to everlasting. The word everlasting is an interesting Hebrew word. It is a word that literally means the vanishing point. To understand it, think back as far as you can think back. Now, the sun, they say, is losing about something like 200 million tons per second of mass. At that rate, in 10 billion years, it will no longer be able to support life upon the earth. So if you want something to worry about, <laughs> think about that. So, because the sun is losing this much mass, the sun could not have always existed because if you added that mass, much mass to the sun back to infinity, it would have meant that the sun at one time filled the entire universe. See, if you kept adding, it would... So the sun is gradually reducing. It's like Herschel genes. Uh, the scientist said that the earth is like a giant clock that was wound up and is slowly winding down. The... First and second laws of thermodynamics, uh, laws of entropy, and, and the gradual erosion and, and wearing down of the, of the material world. So you have to think of a time when the earth didn't exist, if you go back far enough. So in your mind, go back just as far as you can possibly think back. Now, as you go back in your mind, as far as you can go back, there comes a point is sort of a vanishing point. In other words, you just can't think of anything before that. Just, it sort of fades out into a vanishing point. That's this Hebrew word everlasting. From this vanishing point. Now in your mind, think forward as far as you can think. On into eternity. Now they say that if a little bird would go down here to Huntington Beach and take a drop of water in its beak out of the surf there. And every morning as the sun would rise, would take one hop towards New York. And when the little bird arrived in New York, it would drop that water in New York Harbor and then start back a hop a day towards Huntington Beach again. By the time that little bird emptied the Pacific Ocean into the Atlantic Ocean, the first day of eternity would just be getting its start. 
So think of <laughs> out in the future to the vanishing point, you know. You think out so far and then it just vanishes. So the, the Hebrew word has that as its, as its meaning, actually, literally, from the vanishing point, as far as I can think until my mind just hits a vanishing point, to as far out as I can think this way, so my mind hits the vanishing point. You're God. You've existed. You will exist. There is even a Hebrew word that is stronger than that. It is beyond the vanishing point. <laughs> you know, when I get to the vanishing point and then out beyond that, and that's the strongest word in Hebrew for the eternity, it's beyond the vanishing point. But the vanishing point is far enough for me. From everlasting to everlasting, God has existed. You turn man to destruction and you say, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So the relativity of time. A thousand years is just like a day as far as the Lord is concerned. Now Peter tells this in talking to us about the coming again of Jesus Christ. He said, in the last days there will be scoffers that will come saying, oh, where is the promise of his coming? We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Psalms 88 through 90 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you. And may the Lord watch over you and keep you in his love, in his grace. May the Lord cause you to abound in every good work for Jesus Christ. May God bless you. May you have just a fruitful, blessed week walking with Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to say or how to help someone who is going through a recent death in the family or a sudden tragedy that's happened. And it's in times like this that we want to be used by God to bring encouragement, hope, and most of all, love to our family and friends who are going through a hardship. That's why I'd like to tell you about a book by Chuck Smith called When the Storm Hits. 
I'm amazed when I read this book that it's able to encourage and strengthen a person and persuade them to look to Jesus and not at their problem. It encourages us to be patient, not to lose hope, and when the storm hits, to get anchored on Jesus, the rock, and don't let go. To order a copy of Chuck Smith's book, When the Storm Hits, please call the word for today at 800-272-9673. Or you can visit us online to read a preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org. 